0: You are listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. To learn more about Piedmont Church, including our gathering times in Macon, you can visit us online at piedmontchurch.net. All right, well, good morning, everyone. Um, I know that you guys probably were not expecting me to be up here again this week because I was not expecting to until uh, this Friday, I got the call. Um, A lot of our team that went to Guatemala uh, got sick, including Pastor Chris, Pastor Hunter, so please keep all of those in your prayers that are not feeling good right now. Uh, Also, I I just wanted to give a special shout out to, uh, I know you probably saw, there was a lot of people over here you probably don't know. I have, uh, I think, five former students of mine that have graduated. Uh, a while ago they came here so it's awesome having them here and i remember the very first time that i was super nervous preaching in front of a congregation uh, at the church that i was at before i was just pretty much reading word for word uh what i had written down in my notes and it, it wasn't one of these students but one of the students i had at the time i looked out in the crowd finally and uh, I made eye contact with this girl, and she held out a sign that she made that said, preach, Jeremy, preach on it. And at that point, I just kind of lost it, and like I had no clue what the sermon was about anymore. It just totally threw me off. So I made sure no signs were made over there We're good, but I'm keeping an eye on y'all, okay? Just saying, all right? But so today we are going to be in James 1, 14 through 15, I know that a lot of us uh, probably wanted to hear what the final song was in our summer playlist, but as I told you guys, I, I don't know most of the songs that we've uh, played up here already, and uh, I know the name Jimi Hendrix, but honestly, if you played a song and you asked me who was singing, I would not be able to tell you. Like, my parents only let me listen to Michael W. Smith and Stephen Curtis Chapman growing up, so... I, I just don't know very many songs like that. So we're postponing that uh, to next week so that Pastor Chris and Hunter can uh, do a great job on that song. But if you would stand as we read today's scripture James 1 14 through 15. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, Brings forth death. Thank you. You may be seated. So, this is probably not a fun talk to give because temptation is something that we all struggle with. It's something that hopefully each one of us can uh, hear this and we can feel ourselves like, yes, I have been tempted before. I have gone through this because we're all human. We all know that we sin. But so today, I'm talking about seven stages of temptation. The seven stages of temptation of life of from the moment of when we are tempted to the point of after we have already sinned from that temptation. And the reason why we're going over this is because if you know how the enemy works, if you know what the enemy is trying to do to you, you can counteract that and you can recognize it, what's going on and stop it when you can uh, sense you are being tempted in this way. And as I said before, um... Uh, I I wasn't sure. I was preaching until this past Friday, so this might be a shorter sermon. If you're upset, you can tell me later, but uh, I feel like most people are okay when they get out early, but we'll see. No promises made here. So let's start with stage number one, and if you have a bulletin, there should have been an insert inside that follows along with this, and we're going to go through these pretty quickly, so uh, it will help you. So stage one, temptations start when you are distracted and drawn away. And so what I'm doing with this is uh, I'm going to go back to the James verse, James 1, 14 through 15, and go line by line, uh, and we can see how temptation brings about. So going back to the verse, each one is tempted when he is drawn away. Each, uh, Each one is tempted when he is lured away. It's because temptation is active. It is actively seeking you out. It's not something that you just stumble across one day. You just don't wake up and, all of a sudden, like, temptation just comes across your path. No, the enemy is actively trying to tempt you. The enemy is actively trying to get you to fall to temptation because when we're tempted, it's trying to draw us away from God's presence. It's trying to draw us away from what God wants us to focus on. For instance, when we look into uh, the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, the serpent draws Adam and Eve's uh, uh, attention away from God by just asking questions like did God really say that you can't do this like well God doesn't want you to do this because you'll be like him if you do this and he, he's telling lies he's uh, deceiving them but he's tempting them trying to get them to focus away from what God has really told them what to do which was to not eat the fruit of that tree so that was stage one stage one is to uh, it draws you away Stage two, temptations can only tempt because of your inner desire. So going back to James, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. And so everyone in here has their own desires. It's part of our fleshly nature. Our flesh wants to sin, and uh, the sin that you are tempted with might be different from the person sitting next to you, but odds are you struggle with the same temptation that someone does in this room and uh, a lot of the times we we kind of judge people uh, based on what they struggle with I know that uh, for me um, me and my wife are trying to plan a vacation and I was telling her about some cruises that I've been on that I really enjoyed and I remember as I was telling her that that one of the big things uh, that cruises are known for are their casinos uh, that are on like one of the main floors and I remember being a 16-year-old kid, I was like, oh man, I can't wait to go to the casino. And I, I remember I got a quarter and I put it in the slot machine. I pulled that lever and those things started spinning and they stopped and I didn't get anything. And I was like, well, this is the dumbest thing in the world. Like, why, why do people spend thousands of dollars on this? Like, this makes no sense to me. But I, re- like, I remember there were people there all day playing those slot machines that are betting thousands of dollars that uh, something will happen, and it doesn't, and they're tempted by that, and they struggle with that, and I'm just like, that, that brings me no joy. Like, I, I could never do that in my life and be happy. But those same people could look into my life and see my struggles, and they could be like, why, why would you want to do that? that? That's dumb. And it, it, everyone struggles in different ways, but uh, we still are all tempted. We still all... Uh, are tempted by various things. And the enemy knows that. The enemy knows what you are tempted by. Because if the enemy came up to you and uh, tried throwing some temptation at you that you don't desire in your heart, then it it really wouldn't work. Because you don't want the bait. It it, it makes no sense to you of why you would want that. I know uh, a lot of people know that I'm allergic to wheat and dairy. And whenever uh, whenever we're eating out places, Uh, People are always just like, oh, I'm so sorry that we have to eat this in front of you and then uh, continue to eat all the breadsticks in front of me. And uh, like at first, uh, when I first had those, uh, when I first found out that I was allergic to everything, I I really wanted to eat that. But now I I don't have a desire to because I haven't for so long and because I know, hey, that's going to kill me. And I've gotten a hospital bill from eating that before. And so there's no desire in me. To really want that. The only thing I really miss are cinnamon buns. Those are my favorite thing in the world. But luckily, my wife makes some really good ones that I can have that y'all would probably think are awful. But it's good to me, and that's good enough. So uh, the enemy knows what you desire. And it's just like, think of a fisherman. Like, I remember I went, I went fishing with Carson. Carson's here. And uh, he took me fishing, and man, I'm not going to lie. I was getting mad at Carson. He, uh, he caught 14 fish, I think it was like 14 or 17, I don't know, uh, at this one lake. Y'all know how many I caught? None. I don't know why. I changed bait constantly. I, I was going to the exact same spot that he was catching all the fish, and I wasn't catching anything, and I was getting upset. The other person we were with caught like seven or something, and I was getting so upset. And finally, we went to a different lake, and I ended up catching a catfish that I wasn't even fishing for. So I don't know how that happens. But just know the enemy knows what you want. They know what bait you are looking for, and they uh, have an active plan of how to tempt you. So moving on to stage three. Temptation increases their persuasive power by adding enticement. So going back to the verse, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So uh, some people might kind of wonder what, what's the difference between uh, that desire and the enticement. Well, so the enticement is to fan the flame of that desire. So it's that that's all you are looking for. That, that's all that you want. Pretty much that's all you can think about to the point where your thoughts and your actions are influenced by this enticement that is going on inside of your head, by the spiritual warfare that is going on. And as I said, enticements are, are very cunning. They're very uh, artfully designed to make sure that you look at this temptation and all you see is this is going to be pleasurable, this is going to be awesome, and you don't think about any consequences involved uh, in the latter half. Once you are tempted, you don't really think about the, uh, percussions, the repercussions that are going to happen because of it. And one of the reasons why I brought up this talk today, um, something that was in my head was uh, I'm I'm a big YouTube person. I love watching YouTube. I don't really watch TV, but I could spend all day just watching random YouTube videos. And uh, a couple years ago, I stumbled across this uh, one guy that's a rock climber that really got me into rock climbing. His name is Magnus Mitbo. He's a Norwegian rock climber. He was the world champion at one time, but he's gotten older now. There are people that are uh, probably better than him, and so he's making a living by making YouTube videos. And I loved watching him because he just makes it look so easy. I love when I can watch someone that like they dedicate their whole life to one thing, and they just make it look so easy, when in reality, it's super difficult. Like I could train for years and never do it. And I I really got into rock climbing just by watching this person and I've been watching him for about three or four years now, and uh, I, could, I could probably say I, I recognize his emotions. He's a very, uh, I guess, conservative person. But he put out this video recently with this other guy named Alex Honnold. And if any of you guys know anything about rock climbing, which I'm assuming not very many people do, Alex Honnold is probably one of the uh, most well-known rock climber in the world right now. Not because of his skill, he is, he is an amazing uh, rock climber. He's probably in the top 1%. But there was a movie that came out called Free Solo. And what the movie was about was him uh, climbing up this mountain called El Capitan out in Yosemite National Park. That's, I think it's about 3,000 feet high. Uh, but what was so amazing was that he did this without any ropes, Without any safety gear whatsoever, he climbed up this entire mountain. And for three years, he practiced with ropes of knowing what holds to grab and going all the way up. And it it blew my mind that he did that. Because once you get about 50 feet, 75 feet up, if you make one mistake, it's the end. Like, whether you're at 75 feet or 2,000 feet, the results are probably going to be the same in that and so they did a collaboration video that they put out about two weeks ago and uh what was supposed to happen was uh alex and magnus were supposed to go to this mountain they were going to climb it traditionally he was going to make a video on it and last second alex said hey there's this really great mountain that you can do Uh, and I I want you to free solo it. I I think that this is a perfect grade level for you. I think it's a perfect difficulty for you, and you can tell in the video that he's not very confident in this. He's very reserved. He doesn't really seem to want to, Uh, and it's about a 35-minute video, but I really wanted to show you, so I edited it down to about uh, four minutes, and my editing skills are not as good as Hunter's, so I'm sorry, but what I want you to see in here is how, Alex is enticing Magnus to climb up this mountain by just saying, hey, like, it, it's going to be an amazing view. You're going to love it. Like, there's going to be no experience like this uh, uh, that you'll ever experience before. And you're, 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 you can do this. You'll be fine. And you'll see at the, towards the end of the video that he, he's very uncomfortable. He's very uncomfortable. He, he feels like he made a mistake and everything's fine in the video. I wouldn't show you otherwise, but let's go ahead and play that video if we can. I thought that video was great on showing how someone can entice you into something. And then as you saw, as he was already halfway up, he couldn't downclimb it. And that means climbing down the mountain. It's much harder to downclimb something than it is to actually climb up it. So once he was already started, all of a sudden, uh, Alex Hunnell is just like, oh, yeah, I forgot that this was on here. Yeah, it's pretty slippery, but it's okay. And just uh, now that he's already up here, there's not much he can do. And I thought that was a great example of what temptation does, of how it just it, it tells you, yeah, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be such a great experience. And then then once you fall into that temptation, then There's nothing else that you can really do at that point. And I know that uh, these people are super experienced, um, some of the greatest rock climbers in the world. And uh, I know that uh, I I show this video not to make anyone want to actually do that. I would never do that. Uh, I just, I really love rock climbing. Um, I've taken these students rock climbing. I think one of the first events that I did here for students was rock climbing. And I really enjoyed it. And just to give you some perspective on how hard that probably was, um, I know that I've been rock climbing on and off for about three years now, and it's been more off than on, so take that as you will. But my highest grade that I've climbed was I did one five ten, uh, and that was probably 40 feet up. But normally at the rock climbing gym here in Macon, I climb about a 5.9, which is what that route is graded. But the routes in Macon are 30 feet, and after going up 30 feet, my forearms are gassed. I can't do anything else, and I just like fall, and the rope catches me, and I get slowly lowered down. But they went up, I think it was 1,000 feet. And so it's just insane uh, to me that they've actually done that before. But it's super difficult, and uh, I I thought it was a great video that just shows temptation will seduce you to unfamiliar places uh, without really realizing the danger that's behind all of it. So... Don't let that uh, enticement overcome you. But let's move on to stage four. Stage four, temptations continue enticing until your desire conceives a decision. So going back to James, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, we'll stop there, but so when when the enticement has reached its peak, you're going to have to make a decision. That decision is going to be I am going to fall to this temptation. I am going to sin or I am not going to sin. And ultimately, that's going to come down to your will. Ultimately, it's going to be you're going to make the decision, am I going to sin or am I not going to sin? And when we choose to sin, we often try to tell ourselves rational lies. We try to tell ourselves why this sin is going to be okay. Like, yeah, this is going to be a a once-in-a-lifetime experience. This is going to be uh, something that I'll never be able to do. Think of how awesome this is going to be. Think of how awesome this is going to feel. Uh, I'll never get the chance to do this in the future. And we try to tell ourselves these lies so that we don't feel as bad when we actually fall to the sin. And when we don't think about all the painful and destructive outcome that's going to come about from this experience. And so I just want to make sure that we're still together because I know I'm going through these real quick. But so temptation first gets our attention. It, it draws us away. Then it, is, then it arouses our desires. It, it plays on our emotions. And then it entices us. It, it makes that desire even more to the point where we make the decision whether or not we are going to sin or not sin. And when we choose to sin, we often tell ourselves rational lies to make ourselves feel better about what we are doing. So moving on to stage five. I told you guys, I'm going through these quick. Temptations seek to push you to act on your decision to sin. So each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. So temptations want us to bite. Otherwise, they don't have any power over us. You know, we can be tempted over and over and over, but if we continue to say no, we're not sinning. That, that temptation is there to try to get us to bite, and when we bite, we sin. And so temptation wants us to bite, because otherwise they don't have any power. And when we do bite, we are deceived by the enemy. The hunt is over, and we have fallen to sin. And what, what's the worst thing in the world about that is, well, probably not the worst thing, but what's so awful about that is you have this temptation that's telling you this whole time, this is going to be awesome. You're going to love this. You're, there's going to be nothing else in the world that's going to feel like this. This is something that you want. I know you. You're going to love this. But then the second you sin, the enemy now turns it around and says, why would you do that? Like, I can't believe you call yourself a Christian. Like, uh, you're really a Christian and you did this? Like, you shouldn't even go to church anymore. Like, why would God want you in his house of worship? And it, it, it gets spun around on you because the enemy wants to make you feel as far from God as you can be. And so they, they first try to get you to that point of where you sin. And when, they, when you do sin, they kick you while you're down and they try to make you feel like you're the worst person in the world because of your sin. So going on to stage six, temptations accelerate in an area of repeated sin to form a sinful habit. So each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin when it is full grown, stopping there, so at this point, temptations have found the weakness. They know what areas that, where, where they tempt you in that you're likely to fall. And they're going to continue to go to that area. They're going to want you to keep falling to that sin over and over and over. And when we do, when we do fall to that sin, they, they start uh, coming into our lives and putting down roots to the point where this is just something that's natural in our lives. It's just something that happens in that uh, point of enticement where we we were having that spiritual warfare, where we were having that battle, where we would constantly say, no, no, I'm not falling to this temptation. That point where we used to be able to say no and put up a fight, now it's not even a struggle anymore. Now it's something that whenever uh, the enemy waves the bait that we fell to, it's not even a struggle anymore. We just bite. It's a part of our lives. We, we don't think about it anymore. We, we might know that it's sinful. We might know that it's wrong. But because we've done it over and over and over, it's just a part of our lives. And we just go to it. We have chosen to sin over and over uh, in the same area of our life. We become a- addicted in that uh, sin creates more opportunities for more sin to come into our lives, which leads to stage seven. Temptations dominate people by building a deadly lifestyle of bondage and sin. So now the full two verses. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So the Bible reveals that on a human level, sin is always trying to dominate a person. Sin wants to control our lives sin wants to bring us away from god all the time it it, it wants us to make sure that we don't feel like we can be close to god or do what god has called us to do to go out and share the gospel with other people to share god's glory because even though the enemy knows that god has already won the battle they want to take as many down with them as possible and so they they don't want us, God's workers, to go out and do the work that God has told us to do. They, it, it wants us to it wants to control our lives so that we don't do what God has called us to do. And all this temptation has to do now, as I said before, is it, it just wiggles the bait in front of you and you bite, and it, it it brings you to other areas that can lead to more sin and different sins in your life. You you just start getting addicted to different sins over and over and over, and it creates that bondage in your life of sin that you are trapped. Romans 3.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. And I I love how um, when we were younger, and even now still in our lives, we often think of like, you know, yeah, I, I did lie, but it was a little lie. Like, I know lying is a sin, but I mean, sin isn't as bad as murder. Like, I'm pretty sure everyone in here would say, like, yeah, I would take someone lying over someone murdering any day. But that's not what we see what the Bible says. We, we often try to de-escalate what our sin is. But what God says is, no, sin equals death. It, sin doesn't, it doesn't matter what you've done. Sin is, we need to be elevating our sin rather than de-escalating sin. And so we, we shouldn't be trying to say like, well, yeah, this sin isn't as bad as this other sin. We need to realize like, no, this sin is just as bad at all, as all these other sins that even though I haven't done, I know God still looks at that sin just as much as I look at all of these other ones that, uh, that I would think of I would never do. And we need to realize the sin and bondage that we are suffering. And I know sometimes we might not even think that we have sin in our lives. We might not even realize the bondage that we're under. And we need to ask God to reveal that in our hearts so that we know uh, what we need to be repenting for, what we need to be working on. And one of the things that I always tried doing uh, in my own life was uh, when I kept falling to the same sin, I would, I would try to just be like, I need to get mentally stronger. I need to make sure that, Uh, I can just, like, say no and have a stronger will, but in reality, I know that I I just, I fell every single time, and I know that I couldn't do it, and I know that this would be an awful sermon if I just left it here, and I feel bad for my students because I did this to them, because uh, I did one uh, Wednesday night of talking about seven stages of temptation and then seven ways to overcome temptation, but Instead of going through seven more, I'm just going to give you guys the top one. All right, does that sound good? Awesome. All right, so going back to Romans 3.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's always still time to spit out that hook, that that bait that uh, the enemy has been tempting you with. Yes, we have sinned, But we can ask for forgiveness of our sins because God sent his son down to die for us. He lived a perfect life and took all of our sin up on the cross with him. And he died for our sins so that we could be forgiven of our sins and that the sin would no longer uh, hold us in chains and hold us in bondage. And that doesn't mean that we're going to be free from temptations. We are always going to have temptations in our life. But here's a great verse that I want you guys to know. Uh, it's not on the bulletin, so if you have something to write with, you should write this down. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptations have overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptations he will also provide the way of escape. That you may be able to endure it. So I love this verse because it, it's something that we can take away with us every single day. I know that most of us probably suffer in some way from temptation every single day of our lives. It, it, it's, it's something that we need to work on. And I know I, I took most of this from a book that I read like probably four years ago. And I remember he said one of the greatest ways to overcome temptation. It's just a call on God. It's just to say, God, I can't overcome this temptation by myself. I need your help right now or else I, I'm falling to temptation. God, give me the strength to overcome this temptation because I can't do it on my own. And I remember when, when I did that in my life, I, I felt the temptation much less. And I, I was very sad that I've, I've forgotten about this in my life. Because I know that I struggle with temptation. I know most of you guys probably struggle with temptation. And so I want us to see that we can call on God to help us. We're, we're not alone in this together. I know a lot of us probably feel like we're the only ones in this room struggling with whatever we are. But as the very first verse says, verse 13, No temptation is overtaking you. That is not common to man. We all struggle Temptation. So odds are someone in this room is struggling with the same thing that you are, or did struggle. So you can you can ask people, Hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me? Can you keep me accountable so that I don't fall to this temptation? And one of the best things that God does is that He says, along with this temptation, He will provide a way of escape. It's not something that we have to completely bear on us. It's not something that we have to always endure. It, it says at the very end of the verse, verse that it says that we will, uh, so that we may be able to endure it. But there are times where we just say, God, I need a way of escape. Like, I can't endure this temptation right now. I'm not strong enough. I know that I need to get closer to you. I know that I need to lean on you more. But right now, this temptation is overtaking me, and I need to go. And God provides a way of escape. Always. It might be just running out of the room. Whatever it is, we need to do it. But hopefully we'll be able to, instead of being drawn away from God, we can draw closer to God so that we can overcome and endure those temptations, so that we can become so strong in our faith that when that temptation comes, when that enticement comes in our life, that we don't uh, look at it and we're not just filled with desire that it influences our actions and thoughts, but that we can say, you know what? I have God that is so much more pleasurable, so much better than anything that this temptation could offer me. so I'm not going to fall to it. I know that it's tempting, but I have something so much better in my life. So that's something that I want us to just be working through this week. Something that I want you guys uh, to be challenging, challenging yourself on is when that temptation comes, recognize where you are, what stages you're at. Because I don't know where you are at in your life, whether you're uh, feeling that enticement stage, or whether you're saying, hey, I'm at stage seven. I feel completely torn down by sin, and I'm calling on God for help. Whatever you're at, God is there with you, and as long as you call on him, he's going to help you. So just remember that as we go throughout this week. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for everything you've done for us, and I know that life can get difficult, life can get hard to the point where we just feel like we can't take it anymore, that we can't uh, just do what you've called us to do and that we're just beaten down by the temptations that we have fallen to. But God, I just pray that you will give us the strength to overcome it, that we'll recognize when we are being tempted, when we are being drawn away from you, and that we'll just be able to firmly say, no, I'm choosing to follow God rather than this Uh, temptation, rather this enticement that's on my heart. I want to choose you over everything else. And so God, I just pray that you will just allow us just to have that full focus of you, that we will get a glimpse of your glory so that we are just completely sold out for you. God, we ask all these things that you'll help us this week, and we pray that we'll always give you all the glory. In your name we pray. Amen.